here. Stand by film. Five, Stand by music. Four, Stand by now. Three, two, one. And fade up. Spider-Man, hero or menace? Dear Ndugu. Dobby the house elf. Who holds sway over the five points? I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. This is my family. There's a hole in this catch. You can cut. I'm a bloody island. I'm bloody Ibiza. How about new? You crazy Dutch bastard. So welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another brand new episode of 20 Years 4 Beers. We are a podcast dedicated to re-watching movies from two decades ago while simultaneously enjoying a minimum of four modern beers. My name is Steve and this is my big brother, Tim. And we are coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have just watched and recorded our episode on Minority Report, so certainly seek that out. And as usual, we sit together afterwards and discuss another film over another beer. So we refer to these as our happy hour episodes. Hey, you guys. Happy hour is from four to six. (laughs) During this happy hour, we will be talking about 2002's Disney animated film Lilo and Stitch. Because nothing says manly like two grown men drinking beers and discussing a Disney animated film. (laughs) Plus, shocker of all shockers, Tim had not seen this film. Nope. And I don't know how that's possible with having two kids and a Disney Plus subscription, by the way. Uh, But your kids had seen this. They have. Right. But just not you or your wife have not. Nope. Um, So that's just beyond me. So anyway, Lilo and Stitch, for those unaware, is the story of two outcasts from different worlds. I love this description, by the way. The first is Stitch, a genetically modified creature that is bred for nothing but destruction and chaos. Stitch is banished from an intergalactic civilization, but accidentally winds up on Earth in Hawaii. The second outcast is Lilo, a young girl in the care of her older sister after their parents die in a car crash, who is struggling adjusting to her new life, and with a pain that no kid should have to deal with. The two meet, and Lilo adopts Stitch into her family as their ugly and chaotic dog. Lilo's sister's Nani must fight to balance her life, keep Stitch from destroying everything, and work to keep Lilo in her care. But Stitch's nature interferes and everything goes wrong. Look at him, Lilo. He's obviously mutated from something else. We have to take him back. He was an orphan and we adopted him. What about Ohana? He hasn't been here that long. Neither have I. Dad said Ohana means family. Ohana means family. Family means nobody nobody gets gets left left behind. Or? Or forgotten. I know, I know. I hate it when you use Ohana against me. So, the film is written and directed by Chris Sanders and Dean DeBlois. 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 I don't even know. Get a real name. DeBlois. And stars uh, DeVay Chase, Chris Sanders, Tia Carrere, David Ogden Steers, Kevin McDonald, and Ving Rames. Uh, obviously, we're not going to talk about uh, initial memories because Tim doesn't have them. Nope. So our first segment, as usual, is Drinking Buddies, where we present the four beers that we had, two for each of us, since we watched these separately, and then also the one we have, and we give our expert drinking ratings. So Tim, what do you, um, 
What were your two? I didn't have a theme. What? Although For I, Lilo and Stitch? I did feel like I was a bit lazy by not doing Kona Brewing out of Hawaii. But I thought about it. You yeah. just had that for Insomnia but, episode. Right. And then you got Alaskan Amber you didn't want to do. Cause you right. Yeah, no. It just was like two on the nose. But um, yes, it was this week. And I said, what is in my fridge? So I had Odell out of Michigan, their Tree Shaker oh. double IPA. The peach? The tangerine version. Okay. Yeah. There's, yep. I still wish they would make the peach oh, again I'm, because the peach was outstanding, absolutely the best. But I haven't seen it in a couple of years. But the tangerine was good. It was yeah. a four. It's a nice, solid option. Um, then I had Indeed out of Minneapolis, their mm. pistachio cream ale. Oh, you love that. Which I, I gotta it. say, it's a four for me. Oh, okay. Which is like because it might be like a new summer staple for me. Really, it is just delicious. Huh. Sweet, wonderful, enjoyable. So. Hmm. Kind of like the movie. Yeah. So, yes, uh, delicious option. Yeah. That's the description I have on my uh, dating profiles. <laughs> much like pistachio like, cream yeah, ale. Yeah, much like I'm sweet and wonderful. Although, have you seen that Indeed has like palatable? A, really, it's just, it's just it's, palatable. I'm palatable. I'm as best yeah. as you're going to get, ladies. <laughs> so, here you go. Have you seen Indeed has like a multi pack of like it's a pistachio and they have like different cream ale versions of it? Like a, I'll be honest with you, I haven't because usually when I see Indeed, I just overlook it. But I'm very curious about it because it's like a pistachio, and then it's like a you know a lemon one, and like a shaved ice, and hmm. so like kind of I'm kind of intrigued because I didn't like the pistachio Let's from face it, idea. You'll buy it. Yeah, yeah. Better. From where was the pistachio? From where? Well, the pistachio was like the first one. I'm like, oh, this is right. this seems ridiculous. And then I had, it, I'm like, oh, huh. I've come to love it. So I might, I'll get back to you on that one. All right. Anyway. Yeah, I'll have? be on edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah, you'll be waiting around that. Yeah, yeah, can't wait to hear how good indeed is. <laughs> I'm going to text you. Oh, my God. So I had uh, Elm Creek Brewing from Champlain, Minnesota. Their sole formula, double dry hop, New England, double IPA. Ooh. <sighs> That's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, I had a four out of five on that. It was a really rich color and a good haze like you would want on a like a double dry hopped or whatever. But not, um, it was really balanced. It wasn't bitter. Like mm. so, so often you can have ones that are just like bitter. So it was, it was a nice fruity flavor to it. I, I liked it a lot. So overall, really good double IPA. And my second one was Fat Orange Cat Brewing from North Haven, Connecticut. Wow. Yeah. Which apparently they're more of a like brew house and they collab with people. Okay. So this was a collab with M- Willamantic Brewing uh, from Willamantic, Connecticut. And it was called Who Let the Boomers Out? A Pale Ale. Uh, I would, it was a four to four two five. It was darn near a four two five pale ale. And it was super drinkable, like, yeah. but with a ton of flavor. I think a lot of pale ales lately have been more like Pilsner's almost, yep. or kind of like flat. There's not a lot of flavor to it. Ton of flavor to it. And yep. so I, I really liked that. A little bit of a haze, even. Mm. So it was a really good one. Um, I'd never heard of it. And I was sitting at Edina Liquor or whatever, just looking at their options yeah. last night. And I was like, well, I'll give that a try. Mm. So there we go. Good, good pull. Uh, and so we are having a another beer tonight, which is a upper Midwest staple, I would say, but specific yeah. to Wisconsin. But what do we got? Uh, New Glarus out of Wisconsin. Their Moon Man No Coast Pale Ale, mm. which I got to say, I love this beer. Yep. Um, it's just a fantastic, super drinkable Easy pale ale, but like a hoppier version, more yeah. flavorful than like a, I don't yeah, know. It, there's it's, more flavor to it. I like it a lot. So like a four for me, I would say. Yeah, I have a four, two, five, a movement typically of just, 
I think New Glarus gets more love than they deserve on some things. Yes. Spotted Cow. And so <laughs> the... Um, now, to be fair to Spotted Cow, the beer industry has caught up to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I will say that. But Moon Man has always been my favorite of their... Oh, true. Regular releases. Yep. Their flagships. Um, their Scream Double is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some of their fruited beers over the time. Yeah, they're good. really good. Uh, but this, I love this beer. So I have yep. a 425 on it as well. That's good. You're welcome. So <laughs> our next segment is the social network. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Where we take a look back at the critical and fan reception from 20 years ago. Because I typically get bored of research, uh, I just let Tim take this. So, Tim, please take it away. <laughs> I'm so bored. Uh, the IMDb rating is 7.3 out of 10, which was kind of, I guess, I didn't know to, what to expect. That's a good, solid number. Uh, Keith Phillips. I'm of, so curious on what you're going to come out with. This. Like, oh. We have not talked about this beforehand, so I'm like, do you think that's high? Do you think it's low? I don't know. We're oh going to find out. Uh, Keith Phillips of the AV Club said... With its sharp wit and its portrayal of how broken families sometimes fit back together, Lilo and Stitch would make a fine summer double feature alongside About a Boy, which we've reviewed, another film that stays funny while dancing around a tiny abyss. Hmm. Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly said, the animation has an engaging, retro-simple vivacity, and it's nice to see a movie for tots make use of Elvis Presley, but the story is witless and oddly defanged. Eat <laughs> Big Man Raj yeah. or Ebert did give it three and a half mm-hmm. out of four stars. Said Leland's just doesn't get sickeningly sweet at the end. It has as much stuff for in it for grownups as for kids, and it has a bright, offbeat look to it. It is one of the most charming feature-length cartoons of recent years. Funny, sassy, startling, and original. Hmm. Academy Awards was uh, up for Best Animated Feature, but lost to Spirited Away. Later this year. Yep. See? It is supposed to be this year. Yep. Boy, the debate that we had over that movie. I mean, was it last year? Or is it this year? I don't know. It was released yeah. in 2001, but I don't know. Is it this yeah, year? But no, it won the Oscar for this year, so we're doing it this year. So our next segment... Uh, uh, as we move in, is our reaction segment that we call High Fidelity. Top five side ones. Track ones. Where we discuss our top takeaways of any kind from re-watching the film. You know, I have a few, but I am curious. This is your first, <laughs> not re-watch, just watching the watching film. Watching it. Yeah. What What were you, where did you come down on here? So, yes, I have never seen this film before, um, even though my kids have, and... <laughs> when I asked my daughter if she wanted to watch, she's like, I do, I do, I do. And of course, time didn't work out. But she loves to tell me that Stitch is so cute. And so I was interested to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I will say I'm glad that of all the movies we think about of what to watch this year again or for the first time, from an animated perspective, you know, we had contemplated watching Ice Age yeah. earlier in the year. And I've seen that countless times. But I'm happy that was this one, truly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also excited to watch Spirited Away because I have not seen that one. Okay. Um, I'm excited to walk or talk through it with you because I must admit it's a mixed bag for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how much people love it, but I didn't not like it. Mm. It was pleasant, annoying at times. Um, I, so yeah, I, I want to talk through it a little bit because I'm happy to have seen it. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm pretty sure I don't need to see it again. And watch it again. So we'll we'll talk through it. But yeah. Well, yeah. your wife hasn't seen it, so now you have to watch it again. So I'll be curious on your rewatch. <laughs> yeah, is be, it is yeah. that uh you know um I do actually want to watch it with the kids again mm-hmm. to see because I know I'm not the primary demographic for many of these no. type of movies. But no, and it you know, I mean it's it's so. not it's not you know, it is written it, there are some themes in this that are really surprising to find in a a movie like this. Yeah, so that's sure. a break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or um, yeah, break it up. So I love the first thing I remembered of watching it again. So I don't watch this movie typically because I do typically cry in this movie, and so I don't always outwardly go for that. Yeah, uh, especially on my own because it's just weird crying on my couch yeah, alone. It's, good. it's okay. It feels good. Um, I do that normally. I don't need to do it while <laughs> watching a movie. Um, I love the animation style used in this film. Yes. Um, the watercolor background gives it an old school feel from the early days of Disney. Yeah. Um, you know, where they animated on like painted backgrounds. Um, there's not a ton of depth, like from an animation standpoint, like in that, especially at that time, it was unique because you go from like Tarzan, which don't get me wrong, I like Tarzan, but they're like flying through the forest and you got like yes. the depth of everything behind it. And Atlantis was around this time and Emperor's New Groove, which I think. We all love. I, yeah. I hope you've seen yeah, that movie. Yeah, it's good. Yes. Um, you know, there's all this depth. Like, but this is like, it's just animated on like a watercolor background. Yeah. Which is so unique of the time. Of the time. Yeah. Because everyone was trying to do something grander and deeper and, yes. you know, more depth. Cutting edge. This. Right. And to go simple, the rounded edges, there's no... There's no pointed edge in this movie. Yeah. If you like watch back, like even the window frames are rounded. Like mm-hmm. everything is welcoming. The yes. you know, the body styles are welcoming. They're more human like. Yeah. They're you know, I mean, nobody is an unattainable figure in this. It's yeah. not a princess movie. And I think I think back and that's why it was so refreshing is to watch this and go, Oh, this it's not this sort of like world that doesn't exist which is ironic in a sci-fi animated movie but it's, it's not it's these these are un these are attainable characters that i can relate to and a lot of that's done through the animation style yep so before even going into the story i just i love that animation style of this it's and it, it's been done before yeah but not much before this like no. it was really well done i yes yeah, so <laughs> we'll talk through a lot of the things or not to control things but yeah, I put kind of my thoughts together of like what things I appreciated. And one was the look. It was cool to see the watercolor backgrounds, a really cool throwback vibe, um, especially the time where, you know, certainly animation was transitioning hard in many ways for a good execution. Like you think yeah. of, you know, um, Sully's fur mm-hmm. and Monsters, Inc. and everything becoming computer animated. Which is great in many ways. It was nice to have that kind of, like you said, old school vibe mm. to it where it was just laid back and the look was really unassuming. And I liked that. It was nice, like accessible. So I appreciate that. I agree. Mm. So yeah, that was another thing I, I one of my points too was mm-hmm. it was cool. And I even remember the time never having seen it, but people were like critics were I remember talking about. Yeah. It was a cool look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that was a good thing. for. So, do you want to talk about the story? Sure. So, um, I liked the elements of 
two outsiders finding each other. Mm -hmm. So, and growing together and becoming the family piece or mm -hmm. Ohana or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, um, don't you dare whatever Ohana. Yeah, that's fine. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So the older sister, so uh, to that aspect of it's a cool old school vibe, but you're right. Like, so many times, many of these animated movies are either way out there or unrealistic or just kind of really, you know, un you know, unrealistic, if you will. So I liked that yeah. it was- Treasure Planet was around this time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, same year. So yeah, it's like all these things where you think about, it's really um, nice to see a movie grounded, mm -hmm. obviously not considering it's a alien creature from a different planet, but coming in where the core story well, is- Grounded in this. In, yeah, yes. Sure. It's an older sister- trying to raise her younger sister Lilo and the parents died it, on paper it's an engaging story I usually can get behind um, especially I appreciated in many ways the attempt to have her kind of flailing desperately mm -hmm. to make things work and keep it all together mm -hmm. so um, coming on here I just <laughs> it is yes so that's a pro for me the con was I just thought there wasn't much actual weight to the loss um, that I found it hard to connect with. It was more of a, and I, again, I want to think about largely kids watching this would see the fact that the two sisters lost their parents. Mm -hmm. So how hard do you want to lean into that emotional impact? I can respect the movie for not leaning hard into it. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying not to say it's a critique. I'm just saying I, without leaning hard into it, didn't connect to it. Mm -hmm. I was, I could have if it was maybe more into it, but I don't want to seem like it's a bad thing because it's more of like, from a kid's perspective, like that'd be traumatic to watch something where it's like, oh my gosh, like in many ways, Disney movies are <laughs> notorious for dead parent syndrome. Yeah. But that was <clears throat> well done, but I would say I didn't engage in it because it was still at a distance. Mm -hmm. So I liked the grounding of it all, but it just was still as a distance. So hmm. pros and cons for me. Sure. Yes. Again, first watch, right? Yes. Um, Cause one of the things that over time I, I gained appreciation of, and especially on this rewatch, it's been a while since I watched it. Um, I think what hit me was, you know, in the beginning, she goes out of her way and I do have a kid with ADHD who gets like focused on one thing, right? And yeah. you have to, you know, do that. And I feel like a little bit of that with her is like, but it, hers is more trauma based, right? Of yeah. losing your parents. Yeah. Well, she goes out of her way to feed Pudge the fish early on. Yeah. A peanut butter sandwich, not a tuna, because <laughs> that would be cannibalism, obviously. That's right. Yeah. Um, which is super cute. Um, but what does Pudge do? Pudge controls the weather. How did Lilo uh, lose sure. her parents? Yeah. In the weather because of the car crash on bad weather. Yeah. And I feel like it's you start to see that they put into the story some layers that are mm. not overt. They're yeah. not like and I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I just don't. I, I think that when you Abs know yeah. and so you just go like ah, uh, and you start, you know, and you start looking at like why does she love Elvis? Like, what about Elvis does she love? You know what I mean? Like, is it just because he's got music or is it because he's an, a misunderstood figure that is, you know, you just, yep. you start to, there's just layers to the story that come from rewatching, right? And, sure. and that is part of that is I didn't catch the Pudge the Fish stuff the first time around and it's not even said in the story, but no. 
I believe that connection is there. So Lilo has no control over losing her parents because of the weather. Yeah. But in her mind, as an eight-year-old or whatever, she has control over being able to help pudge the fish, you know, <laughs> control yeah. the weather so that nobody else could possibly have yeah. this bad thing happen to her. Yes. Um. So I do think, I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. This is a different, I, I do think it's a difference of watching versus rewatching, right? Yeah. Of just sort of, and then analyzing in such a way of just of, of looking at it that way um and so the on rewatch here it was like she's trying to find ways in her own way to stop bad things from happening to her family sure and it's just her and nani and the only way to stop that is to either control the weather or get a dog or whatever it is like she needs to control something she can control yeah so and I like that Lilo was portrayed really well as like a just, you know, that eight-year-old type of vibe where whatever would happen, great. Like she was very much like stimulus-based. Mm-hmm. And so I could see that probably at the time, if I had watched this when it first came out, I might have found it being like, uh, whatever. But having two kids... Mm-hmm. Now being like, oh yeah, my kids would do that. Where mm-hmm. it's just like, don't give a shit about the impact of things, but it's like whatever. So mm-hmm. I do appreciate what they were able to do with oh, that. Yeah. Type Literally of like, tonight, your daughter was sitting in a chair with a wet butt because yeah. of a water balloon. <laughs> yes. Lilo's walking around uh, luau with uh, <laughs> totally like dripping everywhere. Yes, don't care. Get it exactly. So um, I really liked the the record player scene with stitch being a megaphone um and the use of elvis and humor at times was really effective so i did actually laugh out loud with that oh, where yeah. it's like look at this thing that i've brought into a world it's a dog it's not a dog and then he puts a nail down and he's a megaphone for mm-hmm. elvis like and i i can appreciate that because it was just a nice like really lighthearted. but what i like about the whole stitch vibe is that um you know it's funny because they say he's the most destructive thing in the in the galaxy. Like mm. he is not destructive. Like no, yeah, that's the irony. Like he's he comes to Earth and like he's pretty domesticated pretty quick. That's because he doesn't have the city to destroy. <laughs> sure, he's on an island with no major yeah. cities, so he, he, he doesn't. Can't destroy he, yeah, it. he can't self actualize. Right yeah. with his destruction. But I loved that these tiny like efforts of domestication mm. would impact him, um, and he could see the you know, connection with Lilo. So I, I did like those kind of like moments of mm-hmm. humor for that. So, yeah, I like that. So mm-hmm. no, but coming. I have a yeah, there's, other stuff to help. There's yeah. like, I, I've never, I never quite understood the love that people had for Stitch as a character, just from a like no. relatability, but then, you know, his quotes are good. You know what I mean? Like, He's got some good quotes because originally Stitch was not supposed to talk in the movie. Like when they had initially oh, really? talked about making it, um, he was never going to have dialogue. Hmm. Um, so, but they did. And Chris Sanders, I think, does a really good job of making him sure relatable and that kind of stuff. Um, I think the writing is really well done. I think to balance to to balance the trauma that happens from these two siblings, yep. you know, and then. It's like a simple story wrapped in an intergalactic sci-fi, you know, world that you talked about. Yep. Um, 
I think it's first and foremost just about two sisters who hate that they're in the situation they're in. Not that they don't love each other. Sure. But they hate that they now have to be in this situation. Yep. And they don't have to talk about it. They don't have to make a big deal about it. But they clearly do not want to be there. But neither of them want to be anywhere else. Yeah. Like, it's it's that weird sort of center, right? Yep. Um, and I think what struck me rewatching it was, like, Frozen got all kinds of love for being a story about two sisters <laughs> who, yeah. you know, were, you know, together and supportive, which I think is total bullshit of the first movie. Second movie, you can make that argument, but the first movie is not about that. And I think it's yeah. just the narrative that happened, right? Yep. And I'm like, Elite, just this to me feels more relatable from a sibling standpoint of two people just trying to do what they can in the situation of losing their parents. You talk about Disney does it all the freaking time. Yes. This is the only one that really, to me, is most relatable of all the ones of kids who lose their parents. Oh, totally. It's. They, it's not a warts and all thing, but they really go to places that when you think about it, Disney does not go. Lion King being the probably rare exception in yeah, terms but not of the, even the, like, yeah, but the sort trauma, of, yeah, yeah, but I'm seeing, seeing his like, dad die, right? But then he leaves, right? Sure, now these two are staying, but he's grappling with that together. weight, yes, yes. Um, but that's of course lions in Africa, like it's absurd, but I agree from a realistic standpoint, I will totally agree. Yeah, I think it's heartbreaking to watch the two of them try and go through. And the only thing, this is a rare movie. This is an 85-minute film that probably could have been 100 minutes. They probably could have given you more backstory and a little bit more along the way. I I do agree in a sense of re-watching helps you because you already know what happens, so you can kind of fill in the blanks. First watch, it's like, I could have probably used another 10 minutes of (laughs) some more story. Right? I think it's just almost too short. I truly wrote down, it was too short for me. Yeah. Like, they could have gone another yes. 10 or 15 minutes and given me a little bit more. So, yes. And that's some of the quibbles, cons, if you will, of what I have. I think when it comes to that type of feeling where, like, what I want to connect with as an audience is flesh some of this out, and they could have cut some of the annoying not, that's the wrong word um again knowing i'm not the primary demographic because yeah, no, of course not yeah but like the one-eyed creature and like the doctor coming down to like try and stop him like cut some of that and expand some of the lilo yeah, and, you don't even have to cut it because you're only 85 minutes you literally could be oh sure 10 to 15 minutes yes. longer and get more story. expand more because i agree with that so i felt like so this is gonna sound like a bitch fest so forgive me but I found the omnipresent social worker, Ving Rhames character, being so serious and like absurdly unsympathetic was grating after a while. Where it's like, oh, he's always around when Nani has the like things that would be seen through the lens of really Mm. bad. Oh, he's here again. again, Like they're surfing on the beach. When it's like, are you like, what are you? You're a freaking stalker, man. You're not a social worker. You're no, a freaking he's not a social like, worker. He's the guy they call when it's the he's the last. He's the end of this. Like, I he's agree. Not a normal social worker. He is. It was so annoying, so annoying. But I also felt like the slapsticky ending parts were a bit over the top for me. Like Nani, like she's grappling with 
real world issues. Like she's trying to, she got fired from a job. She's trying to get a different job, taking care of a younger sister, keeping the house over their heads of what their parents left for them, unfortunately, after they died. And it's freaking destroyed mm-hmm. by aliens. And it's like no big deal. Like, oh, her only means of shelter for taking care of her family has been obliterated. And it's all like from a story to me, like, meh, okay. Or they rebuild in like a day. I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to check my brain at the door because as a homeowner, all this is sure. like, I was like, what? No big deal. Your entire way to support your life has been upended and ha ha ha, it's all good. And like some space alien like thing. And I just, I was like, okay. I'm along for the ride, but it was definitely <laughs> really challenging. And that's where I feel like that connection from an audience member, I would have loved to feel like the weight of these things aligned with the weight of what they were trying to do. But again, it's a lighthearted, fun movie. So I well, can't it is like, bitch too much it's about It's not it. necessarily even supposed to be lighthearted. It is like you have to find ways to, to ground it in realism without forcing kids to hate it or like yeah um i love the i love the ugly duckling subplot yeah the allegory yep right exactly and that's what actually that's what ends up you know turning stitch around to a certain extent the i'm lost scene yes um no i i think there aren't many examples for me there aren't many examples of movies that succeed in modern storytelling of what a what a modern family looks like. And in the last 20 years there haven't been obviously there's a TV show that we could talk about, but you, you just go like because especially for kids this is a story that does not get told. Yeah. So I actually think that is what people related to with this movie is like with Lilo and Stitch, these are two people who feel and are complete and total outcasts in their in their respective societies mm-hmm. who find each other and find a place they find a home they find some place like to be accepted with each other and that's what people had been looking for for so many years and yeah. i don't think they realized that why they were tapping into it but stitch is an all-time disney character now we're 20 years later oh yeah you know stitch is like one of the number one sought after characters on the disney to take pictures with yep um, <laughs> I have multiple. Just saying. So you my just kids like, have keychain things on their backpacks. Now. Yes, they're everywhere. Yes. Um, Matt for uh, you know, Matt had a uh AirPod case that was Stitch. You know, I mean, like <laughs> it's not Lilo, it's Stitch. And so, yes. what is it about Stitch that is like, yeah, he's cute and fluffy and this kind of stuff, but yep. he is an angry person for being brought into this world. Yep. Without having a choice, yeah, like he is. There is some of those layers that you're like, I don't want to go too deep on this, yeah. But he did not have a choice to come into this world, and now he's being punished, yeah, for how he's acting in this world. It's like you mother effers brought me into this world. Like, <laughs> yes, what, how is this my fault? Right? Yes. And so I think that is some of what happened with Stitch is this this relatability of people who are like, I am not a part of this world. I don't feel like this, but as a result. I can find people who are also outcast and are also there, but without being banged over the head of that though. Yes. Like, I mean, so I think there are some subtle moments of that in this movie that yeah. and that's why people related to it. Yes. I would say that overall I found it 
enjoyable. I was not engaged. Sure. Um, I can appreciate it. It was really quirky. Oh, yeah. And odd, which I liked. It wasn't just like a standard type of story. So it tried to be different, and I really appreciate that type of effort. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm happy we saw it. I, If the kids want to watch it, I will watch it. Um, but, yeah, it, it was well-made, and I can appreciate probably when it came out. Uh, it was nice to see a movie and be like, wait, this is like Moana before it was Moana. And like all these things of like Hawaiian Again, without the heavy handed sort yes. of underneath. Like, there's nothing about this movie that is heavy handed subtext necessarily. No. That's like, you know, you watch Avatar and you're like, I can't get it. You know, <laughs> yes. But, but me, well, we watched the story about three main characters who are just lost in the world. Yes, trying to find each other. Yeah, I mean, we somewhat to be topical. Topical. We talked about like we watched Chippendales Rescue Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> the new movie. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. Like, right. so, so good. But that has moments where it's like, I was truly engaged mm-hmm. and really interested in what's going to happen. I had no moment in, you know, but I don't think it's a criticism of the movie. No. It's just it's, like, it's, yeah. it's lighthearted and it does enough of like these touch points with these areas. So I, I'm happy, like I said, I, I can see why people enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it uh, it's good to have seen it. That's my ring endorsement. Happy to, but I can't. Yeah, you're on the bottom end of that spectrum, though, of people who yeah. are listening. They'd be yeah. like, you know, this idiot does not know what he's talking about. Yes, but I truly uh, feel like if I watched true. it, that's more, yeah. I, I can't disagree. No, I think if you did watch it again, and you, yeah. you kind of now you know what it is. Yeah, because it is hard when a movie is so well thought of and yeah. so has be, kind of become. Because I was expecting like, wow, right? No, it's <laughs> not. It's just, but it's not. It's it's not the. It's not a like benchmark in animation. It's not a benchmark in anything like that. It's just, it just happened to tap into some sort of connection with people and it wasn't even a huge box office straw i mean it was good but like not great yeah um but for some reason in the last 20 years something has connected yeah and no shock we live in a society that's basically shunned half the population depending on where you're looking and yeah they're looking for something like this to yeah. attach to so it's not a shock to me but that- i'm glad we watched it yeah all right, so we come now to our final segment, which is Quiz Show. The exciting quiz program, 21. Where we search for trivia surrounding our subject film and try to stump the other. I'm curious, did you have many? I have two. Okay. All right, go ahead. Uh, actress, what's the name? Dave? Yeah, Dave. Dave yep. Chase. Yep. Provides the voice of Lilo and had her movie debut in 2001's Donnie Darko, which hmm. is a crap movie. Um, she starred in more television roles following 2002, but oddly enough, she stars in two other films that we'll be watching this year in hmm. 2002 that came out. Can you name those two films? And I can give you hints if need be. Hey, probably because I actually did not look into her. That's interesting. Another animated film as the main character and the main antagonist in another horror film. Huh. And it won Best Picture for Best Animated. What? 
Well, best picture for best animated. Well, best animated feature. Oh yeah, I was gonna say Spirit Away. Is yeah. the, she's the so she's yeah. the main voice. Yeah, but yes. I was like best picture for best. Animated. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. A horror film that we have coming up, I guess. Uh, With Naomi Watts. Oh, Emily of uh, the Ring. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking the Ring. Was, she's I, the girl. I was thinking that was next ah, in the well. Holy cow! Right. Creepy. Thank oh, you. I did not trivia. know that. Yeah. <laughs> so we have wow. to, that to look forward to. Yeah, same voice actress. So hmm. yeah. All right. Well, then there we go. So this movie was, as we talked about with the watercolor backgrounds, was the first Disney film to use watercolor painted backgrounds in over 60 years. (laughs) Okay. Believe it or not. So what 1941 Walt Disney quote classic was the last animated Disney film to use watercolor backgrounds Okay, the 41, it would have, I'm going to guess. I'm giving an easy hint. Dumbo. That is correct. I'm like, I think about all the, like, all that stuff looks really clear, but that's the only one that looks kind of hazy. Right. That's why I said, quote, classic. (laughs) Yeah. That also, yeah, quote, unquote, Wow. Yeah. So 60, 60 years, years they had never done any. Really? It's just a watercolor flat background behind them. Huh. Wow. Which does make it somewhat more impressive that they had the balls to do it. Yeah. And Disney said, okay, go ahead Let's and do go it. Let's go the throwback. Yep. That's good. Uh, despite director Chris Sanders cutting his teeth working behind the scenes with Disney mm-hmm. on Rescuers Down Under, mm-hmm. Beating the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Mulan. Mm hmm. This was the only film he directed for them before having a fallout with then Disney Animation President John Lasseter. Mm-hmm. But it led him to direct many films at DreamWorks Animation, mm-hmm. including the two Crudes films, mm-hmm. which, have you seen those? Yeah. They're enjoyable. They're fine. And in my hum- humble opinion, is directly one of the best trilogies of all time, live action animated. What trilogy is that? Well, he didn't direct all of them. He just directed the first one. is How to Train a Dragon. In 2010. I don't think he directed all three. Well, that was not what I determined. Okay. We'll look it up. But I, I yeah, I mean, yes. How to Train a Dragon. Is, yes. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, it, it is. I don't know what the fallout was between him and Lasseter. Time has not necessarily been on Lasseter's side. <laughs> when it comes That's a to very diplomatic thing. Like, Sanders yeah. in the fold. But yeah, when you think like first of all, Brave Little Toaster, outstanding, and yeah, he wrote Mulan. He yeah, he directed all. He directed that. all three. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So he's. I mean, if if alone, if you're going to write Mulan, you're like one of my favorites because that's one of my favorite Disney movies of yeah, all time. But, yes, um, the the dragon. Those three movies to me are mm-hmm. one of truly one of the best okay. trilogies. Are there three or four? There's three. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The Lost World or yep. Hidden World. Dragon 2 and then the dragon. Yep. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Yes. I did not have him as directing those. There you go. Um, all right. So then um, did you happen to catch the license plate numbers on the uh, all the cars? <laughs> they were very. Yeah, they put it out there. Heavy handed. Heavy handed. A113. That's right. Yes. Yeah. It's a Pixar thing. I don't know why it is. Yeah. It was their, it was their classroom number at Cal Arts. In the seventies, uh, where they all learned okay. animation, because I've seen it in Pixar movies. I'm like, oh, yeah. why is this in this movie? It's, it's in not many Pixar. Disney movies and Pixar, but gotcha. it's in other Disney movies too. Yes. So that actually brings us to the end of our happy hour episode on Lilo and Stitch. 
If you haven't already, please go back and listen to our previous episodes, all featured on your favorite streaming platform or on our website. And stay tuned for another episode this month, releasing in June, a special edition of 25 Years for Beers, where we will discuss LA Confidential. We want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and for clicking that like or subscribe button on your devices. Find us on Twitter at years underscore beers and on Facebook or head to 20yearsforbeers.com. This has been 20 Years for Beers. My name is Steve. I'm Tim. And thanks for listening. Thanks. What'd That's the description I have on my uh, dating profiles. Much like pistachio like, cream yeah, ale. Yeah, much like, I'm sweet and wonderful. Although, have you seen that Indeed has and like palatable. a... palatable. Really, it's just, it's just it's palatable. I'm palatable. I'm as best yeah. as you're going to get, ladies, <laughs> so here you go. 